all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds, for you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. Selfishly asked for a little prayer time right now because I'm. It is. It was hectic this morning, John. Um, so let, let's. Let, if you'll pray with me, and then we'll dig into the word and have a couple of other awesome celebrations today. Father, I thank you for today. I thank you because of the busyness. It's really because of what you're doing um, in the life of this church as we continue to open up, as we continue to grow, as we continue to serve you and serve others. Um, I pray that your spirit speaks mightily today. Um, in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. All right, turn in your Bibles to James. I don't know, are we even halfway? No, nope, we're not even halfway through the first chapter. Um, Pastor Wayne warned me about this. So if we are today, we're going to be in verses 13 to 15. Um, we, we are in the book of James and looking at how true faith what true faith, true faith looks like, um, that it endures trials through joy, through steadfastness. We, we've walked all the way through this. Today's message is true faith endures trials by understanding temptation. Uh, so we're going to look at temptation. So read with me James 1, verses 13 to 15. Um, it's starting in verse 13. Let no one say when he is tempted... I am being tempted by God, for God cannot be tempted but e- with evil, and he himself tempts no one. But each person is tempted when he is lured and enticed by his own desire. Then desire, when it has conceived, gives birth to sin, and sin, when it is fully grown, brings forth death. Um, so we're going to take a look at what what temptation is about as part of the trials. So we've looked at trials, uh, testing in our life. How do we react in our faith? How do we react in our relationship with God? Um, and, and our emphasis has kind of been on a lot of outside tests, things, things from outside in our life that we're dealing with, culture, our job, whatever that is, some outside influences. As we look at temptation, this is more an inward struggle. Uh, this is really okay. I have my faith. I know God's involved. Um, I have this test in front of me, this trial. Now how am I going to react? And there's temptation that's involved. And in fact, the Greek word for test back in verse 2 is the same one for temptation in verse 13. Um, but as we look, we're going to see today that God, we talked about God using tests and trials in our faith for us to continue to grow in our faith. Temptation, though, and it says right here in the passage, God doesn't use temptation. He can't. Um, because temptation, the path of temptation, leads to uh, sin. And God cannot be a part of that. And that's what we're going to take a look at today. So temptation, I don't know about you. I deal with some temptation in my life. Um, one of my number one temptations in life are cinnamon rolls. Okay? <laughs> And I wrote on here, when I meet trials of various kinds, like access to a cinnamon roll, I definitely count it all joy. <laughs> right? Who doesn't count it all joy? A cinnamon roll right in front of me, um, knowing that 
Which, by the way, do you know that they even have cinnamon roll ice cream? It's amazing. Yes. Um, but as I am faced with an actual cinnamon roll, I can already taste the cinnamon and the sugar. Um, I see the steam come because it's freshly baked, of course. The icing has melted just enough, not too much where it kind of goes off the whole thing, just enough where it spreads evenly across the top of the cinnamon roll, kind of oozes down the side. Are you with me on this? I should have brought one. (laughs) Then I imagine biting into that cinnamon roll, and and you've got the swirls of all the cinnamon and sugar in in the wrapped dough, and it just flows throughout the dough, the cinnamon and sugar, right? Is it not awesome? Um, So, yeah, I have a weakness for cinnamon rolls. Uh, So when I face a temptation and I have a cinnamon roll in front of me, I have a choice to make. And this is where the temptation comes in. Do I honor my faith in God and my the healthiness of my body as a temple of God and keeping it, you know, as healthy as possible? And I, I'm still a work in progress. But do I do I choose to stay tight and, and on track for my diet? Or do I just absolutely blow it and go a little glutton on my cinnamon roll? Um, so there's this choice. We have, we all are dealing with temptations. We face a situation. We're like, man, the God way I know is the best way, but it seems like the hardest way. The easy way seems a little better, but it may not be glorifying to God. Um, and it might be the wrong way, but it's a lot easier. So we're dealing with temptations all the time. And a temptation is an opportunity to accomplish something good, but in a bad way. Something against what God's will is. So, is it okay to take a test? Absolutely. Now, it's not the best thing in life to do. But taking tests are good, right? But you can choose then to cheat on that test. And now you've chosen, you've tempted yourself and allowed yourself to go the opposite way of what God wants. And that leads to sin. Uh, That's the evilness that this passage is talking about. So the believers that James knew, obviously he was dealing with people who were dealing with temptation. And it seemed to me that they kept saying, well, it's God's fault. God's the one that tempted me, you know, and I'm supposed to honor him. So I'm going to give in to that temptation. And James was like, hold up. It's not, it's not God who's tempting us. Verse 13 says, let no one say when he is tempted, I am being tempted by God. Because God cannot be tempted by evil, and he does not tempt others. So let's take a look at why God cannot be tempted by evil. And we're pretty much going to plant here uh, for today, and we're going to finish up uh, the rest of the verses next week. But I want to sit right here on why God cannot be tempted by evil. And it is because of his holiness. His holy nature. God is a holy God. He is a perfect God. There are no, uh, there is no evil. There is no sin within him. He is absolutely holy. So take a look at some of the attributes of God with me. And I'll read these. um, That he is eternal. God doesn't have a beginning or end. He is immutable or unchanging. He has never changed who he is. Um, He is love. Uh, the pureness of love. He is omnipotent, meaning all-powerful, the Almighty One. He is omnipresent, 
everywhere, present at all times. I mean, many more attributes of who, who God is. And he is holy. And First John 1 John 1.5 says that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. So there is no evil, there is no sin, nothing that is God has anything to do with evil, evilness or sin. Uh, that is his holiness. That is the pure, perfect God who of who he is. So if God is holy and righteous and his other perfections are who God is, if he were to sin, all of that would be gone. Uh, all the attributes of God that we just talked about, if sin was a part of who God was, he could not be eternal and immutable and love and omnipotent and omnipresent or holy. So this is, this is vital to who God is, that he cannot, he cannot have sin or even be around sin. In fact, he is holy and without sin and not just without sin, but he abhors it. He can't even look at it. Um, that's how holy God is. It's completely contrary to his nature. So again, if even one little sin entered in who God was, God would not be God. And now we're in big trouble. Uh, so this is why James is like, God can't be tempted by evil. He can't even be around evil or sin. And God doesn't want to tempt us. What does God want to do? He wants to save us, right? He wants to save us from this evil, from this sin, uh, from the work of Satan in our life and in, in this world. So we have a problem here, don't we? If God is absolutely holy, God can, is, is without blemish, without sin, we have sin, okay? Even one sin ever in our life, would God would have to, to we would be absolutely separated. And we have a sin nature, so we're, we're already in trouble. So what does God do? He needed a perfect sacrifice, a holy sacrifice, to, to bridge that gap for us. And that perfect sacrifice was his son, Jesus Christ. Uh, Christ Jesus came to, as God, to live among us, to show us, to be an example to us, and ultimately to die a death, even without sin, for our sins. He took our he was our sacrifice. He was our replacement for what God was could not have anything to do with. God could do, have nothing to do with us, but He loved us so much and wanted us in that right relationship that He sent Jesus Christ, His Son, to come die for us and to to take care of all of our sin by His blood. So that beautiful picture of what salvation is. Um, so here's a holy God. We have sin in our life, we're tempted, and of course, sometimes we use, well, it's God's fault. You know, God made us, if his plans are perfect for us, and his plans are not to harm us or to hurt us, well then, then it's okay. But no, it's, it's not okay. Because as Christians, if you've accepted Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, we're back in a right relationship with God, and we have access to a holy God but we still sin. There's this continued sin that goes on in our life and temptation and choices that can lead us into a very destructive life. So it's this continued working in our faith with what God is doing in our life 
that allows us to be in that relationship with him. So if, if God is holy and without sin, and if Jesus is God, okay, and God can't sin, then Jesus can't sin, right? Do you guys agree with me on that? If not, my office is open now. It's almost ready, but we'll talk. But since he is, since God, since Jesus is fully God and fully man, the fully God part can't sin. If the fully God part of Jesus sinned, now he's not God, and, and God, and Jesus is God, so now God isn't God. Are you following all this? So Jesus is without sin. But scripture talks that he was tempted. All right? So turn with me to Matthew chapter 4, and we're going to look at verses 1 through 11. Matthew 4, 1 through 11. Usually I mark these with my hot pink post-its, and I didn't today. That's how crazy this morning was. Uh, Matthew 4, 1 through 11. says, Then Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. And after fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. And the tempter came and said to him, If you are the Son of God, command these stones to become loaves of bread. But he answered, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Then the devil took him to the holy city and set him on the pinnacle of the temple and said to him, If you are the Son of God, throw yourself down, for it is written, He will command his angels concerning you. And on their hands they will bear you up, lest you strike your foot against a stone. Jesus said to him, Again it is written, You shall not put the Lord your God to the test. Again, the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. And he said to him, all these I will give you if you fall down and worship me. Then Jesus said to him, be gone, Satan, for it is written, you shall worship the Lord your God and him only shall you serve. Then the devil left him and behold, angels came and were ministering to him. So here's a picture of Jesus Christ himself being tempted and he knew that he couldn't be tempted, but he had to prove that he couldn't be tempted. And if you look at throughout this passage, you see that, that he was tempted physically. Okay, with bread, he had been fasting for 40 days. He's hungry. Um, and so there's this physical aspect. The mental aspect, he was tested by God, or he, he was tempted to, by, to test God. And to say, okay, God, prove yourself. You know, I, I want to actually see you at work uh, to mentally know that you are going to truly save me. So that so you have the physical, the mental, and the spiritual. Here is a, a chance, a temptation for Christ Jesus to bow down to Satan and, and make him Lord. That wasn't going to happen. Um, so why, why did Jesus need to do that? And why was it important for us that Jesus was tempted? It is to prove who he was and who he is. Um, it is to give us faith in knowing that we have a Savior who could not sin. Um, so I brought a chair up here. Okay? I have a chair. I can show you the chair. Describe, it's, it's padded enough. It's not super comfy, but it's padded enough. Uh, metal frame, okay, good structure. 
Now, I could talk about this. I could, I could give you the manufacturer's name, and you could look up their, their rating as a manufacturer. I could have you come up with a measuring tape and figure out the engineering and the physics of, you know, is this really going to actually hold me, right? And most of you probably put faith in the pews you sat in without kind of checking it first, didn't you? But I could describe this chair. I could send you the dimensions. I could give you all of that. And, and hopefully you trust me enough to know it's going to work. It's standing on its own already. But if I have to stand on it, and I had not practiced this, by the way. <laughs> now, why do I have to stand on it? Did I really need to stand on it for you guys to know that it was going to work? No. But I am proving to you now that this chair works. So if you are under 232 pounds, you're going to be fine. Um, probably even more. So here's Jesus in the temptation, knowing that he wasn't going to sin. But it was for us to look and say, okay, Jesus was tempted. Jesus lived these years on earth with the temptations around him. If he can do it, so can I. And of course, you're like, nope. I'm not Jesus. Like, I can't handle this. Yes, you can. Because Jesus is in us. God is at work in our life. The Holy Spirit is powerful. We can get out of temptation. So this is an important piece of, of why and understanding who Jesus Christ is. Why God can't be tempted. It, that is vital to who God is in our in this whole picture, in our salvation, because without that peace, we are lost. Our salvation is worth nothing. So this is vital and, and important. Read with me, and you might, actually, I'll just read this to you. This is Romans 3.23. Most of you probably know this by heart. But I'm going to read Romans 3.23 to 25. It says, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, and are justified by his grace as a gift through the redemption of Christ Jesus whom God put forward as a propitiation by his blood to be received by faith. Jesus was the perfect sacrifice. I talked about that before, why God sent him to, to be our sacrifice, to be our Lord, to be our Savior. It, he was without blemish, and only by his blood are we saved. Only by his blood are our sins forgiven. As we face temptations and trials and tests, um, as we face life, the good, the bad, the ugly, we know that we have a Savior, a God who loves us, passionately loves us. And let me close with Hebrews 4 as we transition beautifully into the Lord's Supper. Hebrews 4, verses 14 through 16. Since then we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God. Let us hold fast our confession for we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize in our weaknesses, but one who, who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. Let us sin with confidence, draw near to the throne of grace, that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. What a perfect picture of, of our salvation, of what our faith is all about. A God who loves us, who was, who we were separated from by our sin, who loved us so much he sent his son to come, to be our savior, to live among us, to be tempted as us, to, to 
experience the life that we live, but knowing that we can get past that with our faith and, and trust in Christ Jesus as Lord and Savior. And on the cross, his blood washed away all of our sins. Um, he was perfect and white as snow, and that made us perfect and white as snow, without blemish in the eyes of God the Father because of the shed blood of Jesus Christ. And as we have this time going into the Lord's Supper, let's have this time of not just remembrance and a quiet personal time, but a time of celebration to know that we have an amazing God, an amazing relationship with Christ Jesus, um, the Holy Spirit at work in our life, and that we in that have strength and faith to make it through this life and even dealing with the temptations that come. Please pray with me. Father, I thank you for this morning. As we go into this song and as we enter into our time of of Lord's Supper, Father, I pray that we truly understand the sacrifice of, of Christ Jesus, that we truly understand how much you love us, that you care for us, down to the minute detail of our life. Uh, through the, the great things and the, the God-glorifying things that happen in our life, but also our sin, that it's not just get away from me, but, but you got involved in our life, um, and you are all in with us. Father, I thank you for this opportunity as we continue in this time of service to celebrate uh, this time of remembrance for Christ Jesus. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.